Welcome to Divorce Explained, the podcast where we answer your questions and navigate the process of divorce together. Sharing real stories and personal experiences, this is your guide through it all. With your hosts, family law specialist Steve Benmore and divorce lawyer and strategist Leanne Townsend. Today's topic is how to blend families through the process of separation, divorce, and then remarriage. And as crazy as it is, this is very common. This is not an uncommon event. And oftentimes people will retain lawyers like Leanne and I and ask us questions about what are the legal implications of coming together. And in some cases, the question is, when should we actually start coming together? When should we introduce our our children to my new partner? When should we start living together? And uh, what are the financial ramifications of all of that? And that's precisely why we're doing today's episode. And we're going to talk about those topics and more. And uh, so Leanne, let me ask you, uh, you yourself, have you had any experiences with clients of yours that have uh, asked you questions about bringing two families together after their previous breakup? Uh, definitely it's come up um, because as you mentioned, Steve, it is very common. Um, you know, the odds of, uh, especially in this day and age of remarrying and blending a family are are quite great. Um, and so, you know, it, it does happen. And, um, you know, the types of questions that I get asked on this topic, often they're not even really legal questions. They're, they're questions more to do with um, logistics, how other people might do it, what it, it's almost like the, they a client wants my advice because I'm in the space and I see it happening and I have some familiarity with what is commonly done. And so even though it's not a legal question, it, it's more based on it, it, it's an experiential question, um, you know, that I, that I can answer. And so uh, I get questions surrounding, um, you know, how soon after uh, separation should it happen? Do somebody need to wait until they're divorced? Should somebody wait until they're divorced before blending a family or moving in together? Uh, I get questions about introducing uh, the new partner to the client's children. And then also when should they meet their partner's children and when should the children meet the children? Because, you know, there's all sorts of complications that can happen with that. Um, but it definitely, um, it's something that I get questions about. Absolutely. And I just want to pick up on something that you just said, Leanne, and it, it, it really, um, rings true with me, you know, after having practiced family law for 30 years, uh, I have seen so many situations, personal, per- individual, family, couples, um, and with so many different elements and clients oftentimes don't know the difference between a legal question and a social question and it's blended and often what we see is clients are reaching out to us or prospective clients are reaching out to us really because we um are objective we're removed we're not a cheerleader or a flamethrower and oftentimes they want to soundboard what is going on in their personal life um with somebody that is uh, independent and able to weigh their options, knowing what all of the circumstances surrounding this are, how to see things in terms of pros and cons and layers and levels. Um, And so I I echo your words about how 
Um, I have found myself, and it sounds like you as well, have found yourself in a position where we're constantly um, providing advisory services to people from a place of not just law, but uh, psychology, uh, social, uh, sociology, and other factors. Now, we promised our followers to give them some answers, and I'd want to zero in on some of them. One of the most common questions that I ask is, I, I've been separated from my spouse for so many months and I'm dating somebody and um, should I keep them secret or should I, um, should I introduce my children to that person or should I let my, uh, my former spouse know about the fact that I'm in a new relationship? Um, it's a very good question. Why? Because on one hand, um, there's a psychological te tendency to want to just move on and and find uh, life after divorce and happiness and if the person that's asking me this question is happy well it's a natural tendency to want to share that happiness with other people that are important to them which is their children and, and maybe even start building a bridge to a new chapter in everybody's life so there's some strong merit to wanting to uh, share divulge and, and include the children and, and, and indirectly their former spouse in that. And so um, there's not one answer that applies to all people. Having said, you know, for example, a couple could have been split, split up for three or four or five years at this point, as opposed to two or three weeks. Um, so there's, there's no um, one blanket answer for all of them. But um, what I do is I engage with the client on a number of factors. I ask about how the children are doing. I ask how their ex-spouse is doing. I ask about, the flexibility and adaptability of their new partner. Um, I ask about the, uh, the, 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 um, the level of um, solidness of the new relationship, how long it has been, um, what commitments have people made to one another. Uh, some people have told me they already bought a property together. Well, that's very different than if they were just dating. Some people have moved in together. So there's so many different nuances to the question and I basically conduct somewhat of an intake to understand the situation adequately so that I can give advice. But sometimes the advice has been, no, don't disclose it. It's not time. It's not the right time. And it's gonna cause far greater damage than good. In some cases I say, uh, there is a place for you to disclose it, but what you wanna do is you wanna drip it in. You don't wanna go right into, we've moved in together or we bought a house together. Or, or, you know, we're committed to one another. Um, so there is room for there to be a, a conversation with Leanne and I, or whoever your trusted advisor is, on determining whether that disclosure should be made. And then if it is to be made, how it's made, when it's made, where it's made, and to what extent do you go full throttle with all of the information very early, or do you sort of stagger it in over time? My overriding concern is, you know, always the children. And so I always tell people it needs to be very child focused and um, what done in a way that is in the best interest of the children. And uh, all of the questions you raised, Steve, I think those are all great questions and they're the types of questions I would ask a person too. And, you know, what when children are younger, they don't understand sometimes new partners as much they might think, you know, is it, I love my current daddy, I don't need a new daddy, and, you know, have those types of questions in their mind. And so, you know, with younger children, it may make sense to 
um, you know, delay introducing and to make sure it's a really, really solid relationship. Um, you know, and, and for this, I certainly, I draw upon some of my own personal experience as someone who is a divorced mother um, out there, you know, in the dating world. And I found with myself as my children got older, um, it changed. When they were younger, they, I kept my dating life very separate. They didn't need to know anything about it. But when they got into their teens and they started having their own boyfriends and girlfriends, um, it, it was different. And, you know, I might have been seeing somebody and they might have um, popped into the house to pick something up on their dad's parenting time and we were having dinner um, and they met somebody. And it was still earlier stages. It wasn't somebody that I was necessarily planning to have a long a lifelong relationship with or I didn't know yet but because they were my kids were 16 years old they didn't really bat an eyelash about it they're just kind of oh hi nice to meet you grabbed their stuff and left and didn't even you know have questions to ask me later on um so I I found that that kind of changed as they got older but and the other thing I I really focus on for clients as well is um the other partner and the stage of proceedings because I have had clients who are newly separated and they're so they've been you know miserable in a miserable marriage for years and they're so happy to be able to get out there and be dating um, and maybe they've met somebody new and they're so happy because they feel appreciated and all these loved or and the things they haven't felt in so long they're excited to introduce them to their children but when we're still early on in the, the family law legal process uh, and there's a lot of issues still to be resolved it can be very inflammatory for the other spouse if you've got your new partner you know with the children and the next thing you want to go on a trip to florida and you want the partner to come and the kids to come and you need your ex's consent in order to take the children to another country and they don't want to give it because they don't want your children with the boyfriend and it can just create a lot of extra problems and heighten the emotions and create more conflict um, when you didn't necessarily, if you just slowed things down a little bit to until you had an agreement on, you know, some of the key family law issues, um, you know, then it might have been a smoother process. But some people jump the gun because there's, and I understand it, you're so excited, you've got this person and you want to bring them, mm -hmm. incorporate them into your life. But, you know, it can be very inflammatory and it, it you know, if you have an ex who might be jealous or, you know, like they, they could, your ex could be a, an okay enough person, but it just, it, it pushes their buttons or triggers them that you've moved on so quickly and, and they haven't. And so it, it causes them to dig in their heels and be more, more difficult in their positions when you're negotiating on some of the issues. So you need to be really mindful of that as well. Absolutely. Moving on to another topic is what are the financial implications of having a blended family? And this happens all the time. People um, exit relationships um, and they've got a divorce settlement uh, with their former spouse. And now they're entering into a, a new relationship and uh, there may be children from the new partner in that relationship that are living with now you and your new partner. And then, of course, you've got your children spending time in the new abode with your new partner's children. And so now there's all these questions. One question is, are there child support obligations? Another question is, are there going to be fresh spousal support obligations? Another question is, what about real estate? And these are often very good questions. Well, let's just start with the fact that nothing is better than open discussion 
and honesty and discussion, discussing the actual values that will bring that together. For example, two people might be dating and they want deliberately to, sh to maintain separate residences for very good reason. Um, they've already been in a life with living with their spouse and now for one, two, three or forever years, they want to maintain their own space so their children have their own space and they're happy to spend time in the other partner's house with their children and vice versa. Well, that's a very different situation than combining two homes into one and potentially combining the assets, the i.e. the real estate values together where they become the equal owners. So opening the conversation and having really good conversations. And I actually interestingly read an article about how family mediation is growing in one area, dealing actually with people that are coming together after exiting one relationship, entering into another, and in a very amicable and civil way, mediating the conversation about what the future will look like. And then that then leads, obviously, to a contract. You can call it a prenup, a cohabitation agreement, a marriage contract. But now there's going to be a contract that basically says, these assets are mine. These assets are yours. We're going to share these, this third category of assets together, possibly a condo or a home. And this is how we're going to manage our finances day to day, week to week, month to month. And in some cases it says, this is just for one year. And we're going to come back and revisit this in a year from now to decide where we're going. Maybe at that point in time, they want to get married. So there's a lot of uh, space and a lot of professionals available to fill the space to help people make the right choices. And then let's not make things even more complicated, but I'm just going to throw this out there. Then there's going to be the whole issue of, um, of estate planning, right? Because we've got so many people that have exited one relationship, not gotten divorced, entered into a new relationship, they're living with this new person for five, 10, 15 years. They might even have children together in the new relationship. And yet all of this has not yet been sorted out in terms of the separation agreement from spouse one, the marriage contract with spouse number two or cohabitation agreement with spouse number two. And then the estate plan that pertains to all of the spouses and all of the children. So there is a lot of space for conversation and to get the proper advice and it need not be adversarial. It actually could be very, very amicable and cooperative and just put the cards on the table and make sure that this time you don't find yourself having to rush over to Leanne or my office and saying, okay, things are blowing up because you've pre-planned. Yeah, and I think that that is so important. Um, you know, it's worth a consultation with a lawyer um, to identify the issues and, and perhaps get some sort of, um, you know, cohabitation agreement or marriage contract in place. As it's, the reality is, like, people who are in blended families, uh, they've been in, you know, an unsuccessful relationship uh, before that. And so they know what it's like to go through a separation, possibly through a divorce. They may have, you know, had their assets already cut in half once. Um, they may have support obligations to their first family. And so, you know, and a lot of people, when they go through that, they come out and they kind of say, I, I you know, I wish I'd um, spoken to you, Leanne, before or Steve, before I got married or before I moved in with that person. So the second time around, it, it's a good chance to draw upon or to have learned from some of the mistakes that maybe you made or things you didn't do and to, and to get it right. And, 
you know, cohabs and, and marriage contracts are very common these days because there are a lot of blended families. There are so many second and third marriages and second and third relationships. And so it is important, um, you know, to, to make sure that things that, that you do protect the things you want to protect. And it doesn't mean that the person that you're, you're with, that you don't love them and um, that you don't want to share some stuff with them. Um, but the, the last thing you want it just to be clear, cause you're doing everyone a favor that way as well. You're doing your children a favor. You're doing your new spouse a, pay, a favor because everyone then understands what's happening and nobody has to feel, you know, uh, what, what I see are situations where there's adult children and they're, you know, dad's remarrying and isn't getting a marriage contract and the adult children are very concerned about you know if dad has a substantial estate what's going to happen to that estate and and you know these are conversations that families need to have um you know people have difficulty talking about these kind of issues with their loved ones but it's really important to have these conversations and i think to get the legal advice that you know sit down with a lawyer for an hour and get some advice and you know for you know, prenups and, and marriage contracts and cohabitation agreements, they're not that expensive. It's not like going to trial, you know, when people think of the legal costs, they're, they're you know, relatively speaking, they're not that expensive and they could save you a lot of money in the long Absolutely. run. Absolutely. You know, um, you know, the, the old saying goes, um, when you um, fail to plan, you plan to fail. And this could not be more true when people are exiting one relationship, starting another one, potentially starting a new family. And uh, the same article that I mentioned that uh, people are using mediators now to mediate the terms of a fresh prenup or cohabitation agreement uh, before they enter into a new marriage. Um, the same article was talking about how those same mediators are also being involved in bringing the adult children to the table to discuss the estate plan. Because what we're seeing now, and of course, just like uh, all of our clients, you know, as our clients age, so do we. And so we have, you know, older problems that we're dealing with as well. Um, last thing you want is uh, somebody in their 50s, 60s or 70s suddenly passing away and there's no plan. And that person has now left this mammoth mess, two former spouses, children from two relationships, children that are also the stepchildren from the second relationship. And now you've got this, all these different camps fighting over who gets the house, who gets the RSPs, who gets the money, who gets paid support, how do the kids' university uh, expenses get funded, and which children get university expenses funded versus other ones. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a ter tremendous mess. And so all of this could be avoided by a conversation, potentially a mediation, and most certainly good legal advice early that uh, does not mean that there's going to be conflict it's it's very much the opposite it's it's just fiscal planning and it, i tell some people actually if there's going to be 10 things to talk about and then seven are easy and three are hard i'll oftentimes say to them blame me for the That's three right. that are hard say you know what i really don't want to talk about these last three things but i spoke to this guy mr ben moore and he said we've got to talk about it i really don't want to but we have to get over it and let's talk about it. What are your thoughts about these three things? And now I'm the bad guy and I would much prefer being the bad guy than to allow any negativity in what is otherwise a beautiful, loving future uh, relationship. 
um, that is hopefully going to be the relationship that carries this person and this couple uh, into the future with tremendous happiness, joy, and jubilation. Yes, and the, I can't stress enough the importance of the legal advice because there could be issues that you don't even think of. Uh, you know, even just as an example, um, maybe you're separated, you're not divorced yet, uh, and something happens to you, and you, you know, you, you, you're living with someone maybe, and you're, you're in like what seems like, a, well, what is a, uh, a long-term committed relationship, but you're still separated. Something happens to you, you're in the hospital, you're unconscious, and somebody needs to be making medical decisions on your behalf. Well, you're still legally married, so your ex-wife, so to speak, may be the one who is uh, going to be making those medical decisions, not your new partner, if you haven't done something to set things up properly. So, you know, and same thing with respect to estates. Like, there can be all kinds of issues that can come up if you haven't gotten legal advice and that you just didn't even think of um, on who gets to make decisions. Could it be your adult children? Is it going to be your new spouse who you've been with for six months? And, and there can be a lot of conflict. So the way to avoid that is to get legal advice and get your you know, affairs in order. And, and then everyone knows what's happening and there doesn't, there's no need for conflict. Absolutely. Well, as you can see, um, blending a second family together has tremendous joy, happiness, excitement. It provides people with a new lease on life. There is tremendous love and happiness after divorce, um, but you got a plan and you've got to put your thoughts together, then share it with your partner, potentially share it with your adult children and uh, definitely get proper financial and legal advice so that you can have wholesome, healthy, robust, and productive conversations that will lead to a plan and that will eliminate any future problems. Absolutely. So there you have Absolutely. it. Thanks everyone for joining us. We'll be here again next week with a new topic uh, on Divorce Explained. Bye everybody. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Divorce Explained. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to head on over to Instagram and follow at Steve Benmore and at Leanne Townsend Life for more. And if you're looking for specific divorce services, you can visit benmore.com and leannetownsend.ca. We hope today's episode made you feel informed and inspired as you move along through your divorce journey. Tune in next week for Divorce Explained.